Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Why shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. continue the chapter in Matthew which seems to be all about forgiveness. It becomes even more absurd here. Peter, having heard that three times was enough to forgive, seems to have doubled that and added one just for good measure and said, how about it? seven times enough? Jesus said, and we're not really sure from the way that it was said and written in Greek, he either said 77 times, which is pretty outrageous, or he said 70 times 7. Okay, now, multiplication tables here. 7 times 7 is 49, right? Add a 0, it's 490. That's beyond belief. Jesus said we must forgive that many times. He didn't say return to the situation and allow yourself to be hurt over and over again. That's not what this is all about. He is talking about the ability to move on from hurt from which we have removed ourselves, not on returning to the same situation over and over. And then he goes and tells a story about a kingdom, about a king who had people that owed him money, and it is big money. A hundred thousand bags of gold or a hundred thousand silver talents calculate that based on an average level of income today, it turns out to be about $11.25 billion with a B. Now, $11.25 billion is almost big money for Congress. It's really big money for us. 
give you another perspective, it would take someone, an average worker, 3,000 lifetimes to earn the money that would be required to pay back that. Now, the average, no, let's don't go there and figure out how long you'd have to live. It'd be way longer than any of us is going to live. 3,000 financial lifetimes to pay this back. And then he tells us about the servant who receives this great mercy and grace, forgiveness, and he goes out and he meets somebody else who owes him 100 silver coins. The daily wage of the laborer, denarii, is the amount of money. And, is, and it is equivalent to um, 100 days wages, which if we do the math and use the same figures as we did in the first part, turns out to be about $31,250. A hefty sum, but not quite $11.25 billion. But what does he do? Instead of forgiving his fellow servant, he puts the chokehold on him and says, I need all my money and I need it now, and you and your family are going to jail until it happens. That is to say, my boss just wrote off $11.25 billion that I owe. Oh, but you're going to pay back every dime you owe me. doesn't quite work. And the fellow servants who see this get into the picture. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes the numbers get in the way of us comprehending what's going on here. The numbers are a distraction for us. Because we can do that math and we can figure out how much we owe to various folks and how long that would take us to pay it back and how we'd like to have some of that forgiven. But how we certainly wouldn't like to forgive what is owed to us. The truth of the matter is, this whole story is not about the numbers. It is, in fact, about forgiveness. You know? Forgiveness is not really within us. It is not even within our reach most of the time. No matter how critical it is to our well-being or our health or even to our salvation, the best that we can do most of the time is just go through the motions. You had that experience? Where you know there's this idea of forgiveness something has happened to you and you just, you just think I can't do this sometimes we begin to convince ourselves that we shouldn't have to do this that what has happened to us is so great and so powerful and so heinous that we shouldn't have to do it a friend of mine pastor told the story this last Wednesday about the man that cuts her hair Someone she's been going to for years. And she said that several years ago, this hairdresser's wife just packed up and left one day. Didn't have a clue what was going to happen. Didn't know anything that was going on. She just left. And on top of that, she maligned him throughout the community. Talked badly about him and about the situation. And it was very devastating for him. She said after all this happened, she went back to get her hair cut another time, and she asked him just in the small talk between hairdresser and hairdressee, how are things going? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I have forgiven her. And then she said, but the whole rest of the time that he cut my hair, he continued to tell me stories 
about the horrible things that she had done to him. And these are the words that he used to describe, to say what had happened. He would say, well, she did this. And then he said, you know, one day she did Finally, at the end of it all, he said, you know she's going to hell for that. <laughs> Forgiveness, not quite. But sometimes it is the best that we can do to go through the motions. Matthew, in this part of chapter 18, after he had already had the conversation that Jesus had from our passage last week, that was one of the lectionary passages about going to someone who has wronged you and confronting them with that. Matthew says this is a very straightforward and simple parable. There's no metaphors. There's no beating around the bush. It is, in fact, forgiveness. Straight up forgiveness. Not on the rocks, not with something sweet and syrupy. Just plain out, unadulterated forgiveness. It is as, as if we are driving down the road, and right there in the middle of the highway, bam, there's a brick wall, and we hit it. And that brick wall is forgiveness. It hurts. It hurts to hit that wall. So I want you to think about, for just a few minutes today, what does it take? What's it take when we have been seriously wronged to unwrench that gut-level anxiety we have and hold on to that keeps us from forgiving, to unwrench and relax that long enough to forgive others who have wronged us. Because that's what the real key issue is here. It takes trust. Think about it. It's not about trusting in yourself. It's not about trusting the other person. It is simply about trusting God. Now, wait a minute. I say trusting God, and here we are sitting in a worship service. We're all over that, right? We're church folks. We are Christians, and we know how to do that. But not really. We do it with our minds. We know that we are supposed to trust, and we can say that we trust, but Seldom do we do it with our hearts and infrequently with our lives and not often with the pain and grief that has been inflicted by others. It is extremely hard to trust God with that. How can I say that? Because I just read this story. And I know that you and I know that God doesn't even care about $11.25 billion as much as God cares about forgiveness and grace. And rather than hold man's feet to the fire for that kind of money, God just lets it go. And when we look at that and we hear that story, it's hard to think about trusting that God with what's been done to us. And so, the 11 and a quarter billion dollar question for today is how can a God who loves that much exact vengeance enough to satisfy <coughs> we experience in our lives? Because that's what we're told, isn't it? That that's how you get over it? This is where forgiveness.
forgiveness breaks down much of the time. Because we don't believe God knows how much retribution it would take to make us feel good enough to move forward in our lives. Justice, we say, justice must be served. Well, the truth of the matter is, this God says that won't work. This God says retribution will not make you feel good at all, much less feel good enough to move forward. Retribution will keep you in the past. Retribution and vengeance will make you feel powerful for a little while. They will feed your anger and it will grow. And they will dehumanize your enemy. But they'll not make you feel good. And they will not move you anywhere close to forgiveness or anywhere forward. So as long as we are held by our human limitations. Sometimes I believe the only forgiveness we can dare to approach is to trust God to handle the vengeance and turn ourselves in another direction. To let go of it and to move forward, we have to trust that God is going to do a good thing and the right thing what has been done to us. And that's hard to wait and watch for. So when I find that this hurt has worked its way back into my heart and into my hands again after I have given it to God and say I want to forgive, I'm trying to forgive, I can say the words that I forgive but here it is again. I woke up this morning and it's back. It's back in my hands and it's back in my heart. I have to bring it back to God and drop it in God's lap one more time today and every day that it shows back up at the door and wants to get back into my life over and over and over again if that's what it takes. It is about trust. It is about trusting that the God who created the universe and the desire and the will to move us forward and to remove from us that hurt and that pain that we can't let go of. Remember, when we go to God in honesty, God already knows what has happened. Knows everything that has been done and knows what needs to be done. And so it is our task to leave it with God, to move forward, not forgetting, moving forward because we're going to trust God to take care of us and to take care of that hurt. That's the heart of that's where the trust comes in. But what we need to know on the back end is
is that forgiveness doesn't just change who we are. It changes the possibility and transforms who we can become. It is about our future and what that holds and what God intends for us. So here's your to-go box. Here's what you can take home with you. It has been repeated twice in the story in case you didn't hear it. Both of the servants who were confronted with the great payment that they owed said the same thing. They said, have patience with me. They said, have patience with me because they knew that just as in the repayment of a tremendous debt, it does not happen all at once. So, too, with moving through the pain and grief of having been hurt and moving toward forgiveness, that comes with time also. Have patience with me, O Lord, for I keep picking up my pain and I keep losing trust in you. Have patience with me. I want to trust in you. One man said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. I say, I trust, oh God, help my lack of trust. <coughs> Patience and trust are the two pillars onto which forgiveness God's patience with us, our patience with ourselves. Patience all the way around and letting God be in charge 